Hello, and welcome to the Local Government Association and UCL's Net Zero podcast series, Together Towards Net Zero. I'm Dr. Isabel Bennett, Public Policy Engagement Facilitator at UCL Public Policy. Our new podcast series, Together Towards Net Zero, aims to reflect on our recently launched Net Zero Innovation Programme, bringing together councils and universities. As I'm sure you're aware, many councils across the UK have declared a climate emergency. In this series, we're focusing on stories from our Net Zero programme to help shine a light on how councils and universities can work together to co-create solutions to meet councils' climate commitments. Each podcast brings together participants with expertise on the topic to explore the opportunities and challenges of the programme together. In this episode, we catch up with one of our partnerships and reflect on our series of sandpits, which were facilitated by myself and others in the Net Zero team. These were developed to create a space for teams to brainstorm and share insights across the cohort ahead of the final project plan submission to the LGA. The first sandpit looked at defining an achievable problem statement for each project and how the teams would look to solve it, as well as deriving some expected outputs for the projects. The second got the participants thinking about roles they would take on in their projects and identifying key stakeholders who would be important for their project success. Finally, the teams had an opportunity to present their project plans to others in the group for feedback and discussion in the third session. I'll be speaking to partners from Lewis and Eastbourne Councils and the University of Sussex who are undertaking a project looking at alternative financing mechanisms applied to sustainability projects. This series is funded by UCL Public Policy and brought to you by the LGA and UCL, connecting the world of research with the world of local government. With me today are Kate Richardson, Strategy and Partnership Lead for Sustainability at Lewis and Eastbourne Councils, and Dr. Donald Brown, Research Fellow at the Science Policy Research Unit at the University of Sussex. Donald, I'd like to start with you. Can you tell me a bit more about your area of expertise and why you were interested in joining our programme? My background is a very varied one, but I actually kind of come from a a more of a built environment, construction project management and consultancy background, but um, sort of moved more into thinking about how new business models and also kind of novel financing mechanisms can be kind of brought to bear uh, on decarbonisation challenges broadly, specifically often on, on buildings, but also broader renewable energy projects. So done a bit of work in recent years and months on uh, new forms of kind of community-led financing and how they can uh, support local authorities to deliver on their net zero agenda. And that's kind of what we're looking to try out on this project, really, um, looking at how we fund different kinds of infrastructure. That's, I suppose, what I'm hoping to bring to the project. Hopefully I'm useful. (laughs) No doubt about that. Kate, uh, the same question to you. Do you want to give a bit of uh, background to your expertise and and why you're interested in joining the programme? Sure. Well, um, I am, as you said, the strategy and partnership lead for sustainability, but my background is general sort of organisational environmental management. So a lot of programme and project management. So not a lot of finance. Um, And in the I guess in the run up to this project, um, the reason I'd been recruited by Lewis and Eastbourne Councils was to help develop their climate change strategy. And in itself, that's something I'm quite familiar with doing. But some of the conversations that were coming up, um, mainly over the summer of 2020, uh, was around how we finance projects um, 
using community funding, but also um, alternative alternatives to the Public Works Loan Board, I suppose. Um, Lewis District councillors started um, getting very engaged with the community wealth agenda. And this was, again, something that was quite new to me. So um, we started internally having discussions about um, community, the potential for bonds, um, the abundance bonds had just sort of come onto the market and just being tested and were being talked about. But I had no idea uh, about how these things would work. So I guess that was my question. And when the um, when the Net Zero programme kind of flew into my inbox, as these things do, it was just happened to be that at that time I had uh, this conversation going on internally about what do we do and how do we start doing it? Um, so, yeah, so it just it was just really good timing. I was wondering, maybe you um, could go on and, and explain a little bit more about your project um, and how you've been able to apply your, your knowledge and expertise to it so far. Sure. So I think there is a view that uh, local authorities are going to have to be much more proactive in bringing forward various kinds of low carbon net zero infrastructure. Um, so we spent quite a lot of time initially discussing um, kind of how the features of different kinds of infrastructure have quite different financing characteristics. Some, uh, like a solar farm, actually generate fairly stable revenues, and they're even actually generating revenues without any kind of public subsidy now. Um, and, and, and kind of contrasting those with other projects that may deliver kind of social and environmental value, but don't necessarily produce uh, a revenue stream in the traditional way. Um, and so councils are kind of looking across the piece at different types of infrastructure that they need to bring forward and thinking about well, what is the funding model for this. So I think that was kind of the impetus for the project um, to think, I mean, we're probably looking at two kind of uh, example types of infrastructure. Probably one is the solar farm. Another is something along the lines of a piece of natural infrastructure. Uh, we don't think we're going to quite call it an offsetting project because we don't think we're necessarily going to be entering into kind of traditional carbon offsetting, but really to, to think about, well, how would you fund, say, a nature reserve or something that's sequestering carbon? Uh, and are there different ways of funding that, not only through kind of public budgets, but also uh, bringing in community investors, uh, whatever sort of flavour that takes? So that is really the focus of our project. In terms of expertise, I don't think I don't think expertise is quite <laughs> quite right. I have done a fair bit of research on uh, on financing, uh, but I think it is often just about bringing together the right people um, who who are de who have delivered this in the past. So we, through some uh, research I'm doing at the moment for the European Commission and the Horizon 2020 project, uh, we are and a colleague at the University of Leeds are working with Abundance Investment, who are a crowdfunding platform uh, provider who've developed this community municipal investment model, which is basically uh, a, a bond that the council can raise and then local small-scale investors can invest in that. That's actually happening at the moment in various councils around the country, and I think a lot there's quite a lot of interest in that. So we're kind of looking at that as, as, as a potential route of, uh, you know, what would the, how would we actually set up such a mechanism to fund something like a notional solar farm? Uh, what are the alternatives and kind of weighing up um, really to try and make a kind of decision process for, for weighing up different options. Because I think Kate 
said that often how these decisions are made is often quite an opaque process. So we're also talking about how a council might you develop some kind of decision tree or decision framework for deciding how to fund different kinds of projects. Kate, why do you think it's so important that we're able to come together to tackle the climate emergency? Local government is not particularly used to working quickly. Um, I, I mean, Donald's already mentioned our decision-making processes. They generally, we have very long lead-in time to decisions. So what we've tried to do is provide, get decisions made at an early stage that give us a free reign to kind of run with projects as fast as we can. Um, We wanted to work with the university uh, quite early on in 2020 to help develop the climate change strategy. And that obviously led to these finance conversations happening. But because we already had uh, the link into the university, I literally put the call out and said, can anybody help me? Because the council has the council just doesn't have um, the research capacity and a lot of the expertise, um, just the manpower that we used to have um, because of cutbacks. So when the university offered, uh, put, essentially they, they emailed me and said, if you need any help on anything, let us know and we'll try and put you in touch with an academic who could potentially help. Um, and that having that resource there is immensely helpful. We had... Um, various people from the university come and take part in our climate change um, strategy workshops to help develop our strategy and just getting that expert policy research kind of background is it's just an alternative view we kind of get very focused in local government in about our local area and what we're trying to do in any one sort of four-year period and being able to have somebody have that overview and go well actually Let's take a wider view about it, about how your decision making might impact on regionally and how that learning could then be disseminated um, across other councils and sharing. It's a lot easier once you're with an institution that's used to doing that on a regular basis. And councils aren't terrible at doing it. We're just not necessarily very good at bringing together a report or information in a usable format that is of use to other people. So I think I mean, the university is a lot better at that and the LGA is a good facilitator of that. And Donald, how has it been working together as a team, as a partnership between a sort of academic and the local authority? It's been great so far. I mean, it's really nice to be partnered in this way. I mean, often what we end up doing, I mean, lots of the work do around the energy transition, um, you know, local authorities are really key. Uh, usually the route in is, is just some kind of interview or workshop without really a buy-in from from the local authority in the sense of like somebody being paid to work with us rather than being an annoyance to kind of, you know, basically ask for their time when they've got other things to be thinking about. So I really believe in these kinds of partnerships, um, generally in research, I think particularly the kind of research, I mean, from a kind of research angle, it's very useful to have have that formalised. We're very early stages in terms of actually kicking off the project and, and getting the, you know, getting the work done. But I mean, it, yeah, it's definitely a positive thing. I mean, the, the hope for me as well is given the proximity, and we're also talking to Brighton about some other things, um, given our proximity to Lewis, that this would be some, a beginning of an ongoing relationship that, you know, we wouldn't have to reinvent the wheel every time we wanted to sort of develop partnerships and think about case studies that there would, that relationship would, 
continue beyond a project like this and we could maybe build on what we've done rather than just sort of you know often trouble as you went you do you do a lot of engagement and then you walk away at the end so i would hope that we could maintain that uh once the project had finished that sounds brilliant um, i'm glad that the partnership is going so well already <laughs> Uh, so now I thought we could talk a little bit about the sand pits that were held last year for the for the cohort um, and sort of just a little bit about what you thought about them, your expectations and, and what kind of challenges they might have helped to address. Um, so, Kate, what would you say were your expectations going into the sand pits, having had the partnership workshops beforehand? I guess I didn't, I really just didn't know what to expect. I mean, I knew we were going to go through a process to try and help work out what our project was and how we were going to deliver it. But to be honest, Donald and I had kind of, we kind of nailed it down pretty much before we entered into the sand pits. So the sand pits were much more useful from a sort of a, a detail perspective of bottoming out some of the detail. So yeah, I mean, I, in terms of expectations, I really didn't know what to expect. But the, the, the idea of working on those mural boards was was actually really turned out to be really useful. Um, and I think that, in a way, overcame one of the challenges which I foresaw, which was actually starting the project. Because, you know, you have kind of have a really good idea, but you kind of have this hurdle of, well, how do we actually, how do we start it? How does Donald know what I want him to do? How do we work through it together? And sometimes when you're just having a, an online call with somebody, it doesn't, it doesn't flow as maybe as well as it would have done if we were do, if doing it in person. So having the, having that sand pit and having that board where we could both write down our ideas, we could actually see where we were where we were on the same lines and where we were differing in our ideas. So we were actually able to sort of narrow that path and uh, and work out exactly what we wanted to do, when we wanted to do it and how we were going to do it. Yeah, as you say, I think that trying to figure out a way to, to work together and brainstorm together and having something like the mural board actually was a fantastic sort of piece of technology to help help this happen in, in the virtual world that we're in. But that's fantastic that, you know, it was, as you say, a, a way of finding a you know a starting point, um, breaking things down maybe into more manageable pieces to to then address. Um, Donald, I don't know if you had any want to add anything about sort of what your expectations might have been going into the samples. Um, no, I, I I would really really second um, Kate's points that I, I didn't have a huge number of expectations. I think I think we were kind of um, very much being guided by you guys about. What was happening next and you know it was a very structured thing which i think really helped get you know get us along to the point where we actually really had thought through most of the elements of the project um by the time they were done yeah i mean it is strange isn't it you know we hadn't really we've never met in person uh, kate and i so we've never had that like get to know you chat you know, with a Zoom meeting or whatever, you, a Teams meeting, there's always a kind of time limit, and you know, you, yeah, it's it's a different type of engagement. But yeah, no, I think they, were, you know, they were effective, and I think, I think we we really got got what we needed to get out of them, which was yeah, which was a really kind of fairly well thought through plan. We've just got to now. Uh, I'm in the process of trying to put that into kind of a project plan Gantt chart, think about some key dates, think about who we need to engage, and kind of get cracking really. Yeah, as you say, I mean, that was definitely one of the aims of the Sampits was to provide the teams with the sort of space 
and some dedicated time in their diaries to really talk through all this stuff and get to know each other. And yeah, so that's sort of, I guess that's, that's really fantastic to hear that that was one of the outcomes. So that's really great. Were there any kind of key challenges to the way that you guys work together or any sort of key decisions or anything like that, which maybe the sand pits sort of helped to bottom out? I have to be honest, I didn't really, I haven't really experienced any challenges as such. And I wasn't really anticipating any. I think um, I think the sand pits helped. They gave us a focused place, as you said, time and a workspace that we could both work together on this virtually. And that was it was almost the kick that you needed to get the project started because we could have been talking about it. And I don't think, you know, maybe with if we weren't doing it through this program, I've got a feeling Donald and I would still be working together, but he might have just been a bit more of a matchmaker with an aspect of the project. And we wouldn't necessarily have um, been able to develop the uh, the sort of the second stream of the project, which for me is the. Uh, the less sort of the non-investable projects, the, the the projects that don't have an investment return, I think that probably would have been left by the wayside. So I think the programmers kind of and the sand pits have helped work out what we need to do to achieve both, to meet sort of both those, um, the aims um, in terms of alternative finance. So the investable and the non-investable um, as such. And uh that was the key challenge, I suppose, is meeting those aims and working out how best to um, how best to deliver it. Um, I don't think I don't know. Have you noticed any? Have we had any challenges, Donald, so far? I think we've got our biggest challenges to come. So, no, I think beyond the COVID challenges that everyone's facing. I mean, I think having yeah having the structure, having the, the time in the diary was all a very useful way of. Just making sure that we, I, I imagine from your point of view, almost kind of making sure that every project was being brought, you know, you weren't just kind of going, oh, go away and come back in a month with a plan, but it was actually, you know, dedicated. It's almost like doing your homework at, um, at school rather than at home, isn't it? <laughs> sort of thing, which I think is always better, to be honest, because, you, you know, you never know what. Got lots of other things on projects I'm kind of cl- trying to close out at the moment. So, you know, it's definitely valuable to have that time. I think, yeah, the challenges remain. We're probably going to be looking at virtual workshops, now, I think certainly for the one that we're planning in March, can't see us all piling into a room together anytime soon. So, yeah, there may be advantages to this situation in a way. You know, we may be able to get people from the other side of the country to participate when they wouldn't have been before. Yeah, that's definitely one one advantage of everything being virtual now. It's a bit more inclusive, that's for sure. Um, all right, well, that's brilliant. I'm, I'm glad that I guess you guys found them helpful and, and um, I guess, yeah, having that time really sort of brought your projects together so that that's really fantastic to hear would you have liked to have i guess had anything else any other support in in place during that time we um broke you guys out into teams and things and 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 into sort of subgroups but um you know it would be helpful to know if if you thought that was that was a good structure or or would you have liked more time with the rest of the cohort i mean that's sort of interesting to know it was very useful to talk through other people's projects, mainly because I just want to know the outcomes. <laughs> um, it was useful to hear um, their challenges, but some of the projects are so different. Um, you know, they're not suffering. The, you know, some some projects I think have got a lot more challenges than maybe as have as is more a, a research, deliver some workshops, try and come up with something to take. You know, officers with us. Um, 
at the end of the day, it's a council decision whether or not they implement anything that we've we come out with. Um, some of them do seem a lot more complicated. Some of them are much more delivery focused. Um, but that said, it was useful to have. Uh, it was useful to get the feedback on other people's projects in the smaller groups rather than as a, a the big the full cohort um i thought that was really helpful and it's useful just to to get the contacts as well yeah definitely i guess we were hoping that this would be a, a sort of networking opportunity as well like you say i mean these are all people working in a similar ish space even if on very different projects um so that's that's nice to hear i don't know if you have anything you'd like to add to that donald yeah, I think it would have been good maybe earlier because we had three sessions which were kind of working through the kind of the conceptual challenges of doing engagement on climate and all the things that we looked at. I think it would have been nice right at the kickoff to have a bit more of an open-ended session, get to know each other session, or, I mean, again, difficult to do virtually. But, you know, I imagine if this was not COVID times, we'd all, we could have all got in a room sat in a circle, talked about the challenges that we had, you know, talk, the council could talk about the challenges they were facing and that could have been more of a, an initial discussion also to get to know each other, to get to understand. I, th I think in a way, Kate and I had some kind of offline conversations while that was going on, but I think we were quite anxious to actually talk about, not the project, but talk about like what, what were we trying to get out, you know, what was the sort of objective for each side? And if, we, if that could have happened earlier, not saying dive into the sand pits, because we wouldn't have been ready to do like detailed work, but maybe that there could have, that might have, and we it might have made us all. I mean, I think it, we have succeeded to an extent. I don't, couldn't tell you off the top of my head what all of the different people and projects were. I think I can remember a few. I almost think we could have done more of that, basically, and it almost softer at the beginning, more more interaction and engagement early on. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, that's a really good point. Hopefully, I guess throughout those sessions you kind of got to know each other a bit more. And this year with our sort of forward-looking plan of um, whole, whole cohort sessions and action learning groups and things like that, we can kind of help bring that out again. But I think I think that feedback is really, really valid with a sort of maybe a softer kickoff um, ahead of the, the first workshop. I think that's that's some really good um, insight. So thank, thanks for that both. So I guess we'll move on to the next part, which is maybe some reflections um, on the programme up until now. Um, what do you think would be your one key takeaway message for people who are looking to um, start or sort of build a successful um, university council partnership um, and sort of how, what kind of ways of working have you found to be effective, that kind of thing? Do you have any advice for anyone who's looking to build something like you guys have now? started i think from the council perspective the council needs to be quite clear on its problem um and i think that's probably one of the reasons why donald and i almost i think we were we we wanted to start talking about the problem sooner because we had a, we had a good idea of what our problem is it's easy to kind of get sidetracked, especially when you've got researchers at the university who have so much knowledge and your your, your research could go in so many different directions. Um, you have to be quite focused on what your problem is and what you're asking them to help solve. Otherwise, you could literally you could this could it could just <laughs> escalate, <laughs> but you could end up not essentially getting 
an answer to your initial question, which is kind of the most important part. Um, I, I think I don't know what Donald thinks of how I kind of approached him, but I kind of just put up I just put up like the big flag that said I need I need great green finance help. Um, what can people do? And we kind of worked from there. Yeah, I mean, having a good contact at the university, you don't necessarily obviously need the research contact, but the universities quite often have a central um, a central person who who can put you in touch with all the all the re- different research schools and that within the university. And that was actually how I found Donnell. Um, so I didn't, I didn't go to him direct. I didn't, I hadn't uh, known of him before. So I went to my central contact, um, who's effectively in the sort of the administration, the research administration part of the count of the uh, university. So um, get to know whoever that is in the universities that you kind of uh, are within your area and get them to put you in contact with people because they always know the um, the research work that's already going on and the stuff that might not be publicised yet. Yeah, that's some pretty useful advice, actually. Um, yeah, knowing who to get in touch with. Um, Donald, I don't know if you have any key sort of advice for people looking to build this kind of partnership. Yeah, um, I think there's a kind of bit around um, ad- aligning with understanding and aligning with each other's objectives in that I think lots of the the world at large sort of sees the research community doesn't quite understand how we are funded and how we can bring our time forward to work with uh different groups we're not all kind of sat in a room waiting to jump on research projects but we usually have to kind of align them with well either kind of have bring funding through and hopefully there's a space there or there may often be existing pieces of work that we're doing and, and to try and align that sort of understand what we we're trying to get out of it which at the end of the day is kind of you know new knowledge academic publications obviously keep uh, food on the table and stuff but that maybe there's there's a, a bit i think of an a understanding gap let's say between the outside world and maybe local government is included in this thinks that we do and kind of how we are funded and how that all works um not that i think that was a problem in this instance but i think that is a problem generally I think they, some people kind of almost view us as kind of consultants waiting to, to, to you know, I mean, it's a little bit, our, our kind of reason for existing is not quite the same as that. So I think there could be better communication about what, how, particularly maybe social sciences, which is less well understood, how our research works and is funded and, and in the ways in which we can be helpful and kind of the, the, the timescales for that Um I often think there's a bit of a disconnect, basically, which is is a shame because I think there's lots of often lots of interesting, relevant work going on, but we can't quite make each other useful to each other at the right moment. No, I think that's a really key point, sort of being aware of the different timeframes and the different ways of working between policy and the sort of academic world. I mean, that's a key, key challenge for working in this space, as you say. So so that's a that's a really Really helpful um, insight. So thanks for that, Donald. I guess you'll be starting to deliver the project now. And I was wondering, what are you most excited about? I can't wait for the workshops that Donald's going to create. (laughs) Obviously with my help, obviously with my help. Um, Yeah, I think the workshops are the key part of our project. Um, It's us trying to get everybody in the room together to work out um, what, what we need in terms of alternative finance, get everybody up to speed so that they can understand the options and um, 
work out how we can deliver these kind of um, these potential projects, um, be it solar farms or nature reserves or uh, whatever. So um, though that's definitely it's going to be in the middle of the project um, and that's definitely going to kind of that's what we're built. We're going to be working up to now. So delivery of those and uh, and getting the outputs from that, I think. Hopefully everybody will come out of it really positive, but obviously you never really know until everybody's in the room um, to get people's because uh, everybody's got conflicting priorities. Finance, we've got to, we've got to have a lot decent show at the workshops of the of the finance officers um, and hopefully quite senior finance officers. So uh, we really need their engagement in it. And that's the the exciting kind of challenge thing. The next one on the horizon, I think. Yeah, well, we're very excited to hear about how they turn out. So that's, that is great to hear. Donald, are you as excited about the workshops? <laughs> yeah, I think for me, it's it's having an, it's hopefully having the impact. So hopefully that we'll see something change. We'll see new policies come in. We might see Lewis and Eastbourne trying out one of these these approaches, maybe on a real project. A lot, you know, often we're trading in hypotheticals as researchers. So it would be really nice to actually see. Uh, real, you know, real impact, see what we've worked on come bear fruit and actually come into being maybe, which is, I think, what we're hoping, at least we're hoping for the, the council to be ready and waiting to, to maybe try one of these. So that's kind of an exciting thing for me that I can, you know, think on point to and say, oh, I had a small hand in that happening, you know, maybe that's a bit selfish. But um, yeah, so yeah, I'm kind of excited for that side of it. I think it will be really interesting to see in practice the problems or, you know, when I when I speak to a finance director and I say, oh, there's this beautiful thing and these guys have tried it and they'll say, well, you know, for these reasons, that's really hard. Or So I think it's a bit of that reality check as well is going to be quite interesting. Well, we will f- be very excited to hear about all of the outcomes and outputs that are coming out of your project so that just leaves me to say thank you so so much to to kate and donald for joining us today to to give some insights and perspectives on the program so far obviously this is just at the beginning of the delivery um sort of stage of the program so we will be watching this project closely but thank you so much both we really appreciate it thank you thank you you've been listening to together towards net zero This episode was presented by myself, Dr. Isabel Bennett, produced by UCL and the LGA, with support from UCL Public Policy, and edited by Nathan Copeland. Our guests today were Kate Richardson and Dr. Donald Brown. To find out more about the Net Zero Innovation Programme, visit www.ucl.ac.uk slash public policy. If you'd like to hear more podcasts from UCL, then head to ucl.ac.uk slash ucl-minds forward slash podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next time.